I'm reading first some verses from the 11th chapter of Genesis, then I'm getting over the Gospel of Luke. Please follow closely these verses in Genesis. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed in the east that they found a plain in the land of China and dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man built. Just keep that in your mind. Which he didn't build. Man built. Didn't even say the children of God, but the children of man. The sort of tower the children of man built. That's a good text for a sermon. I've never preached on it, but you preacher boys might make a notice. See what man can do on his own. There's a sermon. That's a big sermon. Just make you one on it. Behold what man can do. God said, I'll see what man can do on his own. You've got an example of it in the world today. Look what he's done on his own. Jesus wasn't in the League of Nations. He wasn't in the United Nations. Look what he's done. God said, let's go now and look over the job that man's done. Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they shall have one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. See, they just turn themselves loose, see what they can do. Go to, let us go down in there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. They never finished the job, couldn't complete it. The story of the human race is a story of an unfinished job. Man never has finished a job. They started out to do, and that is a job except in the realm of the material. Not the job of peace, not the job of brotherhood. No job has man ever been able to finish on his own. It can't be done on your own. Now we'll turn over to the Gospel of Luke. And there went a great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, crowd was coming. He always thinned them out a little with his standards. You know how to thin out the crowd? Set up standards. You'll thin them out. They'll take to cover when you go to set up standards. All right to feed them, all right to clothe them, but set up some standards and see what they'll do. So they were coming along behind great crowds. You know, uh, you don't have to worry about how to get rid of folks. Got a bad gang hanging around, just have some moral standards. They'll either get right or leave. So there they were. And Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Now, I do not need to tell you this word hate here is not the way we use it. I can tell you why I know. I don't have to look anywhere else because I know Jesus never contradicts himself. He said, love your enemies. Greatest commandment, I shall love the Lord thy God and thy neighbors thyself. 
Now, whenever you find a passage of Scripture in the Bible with a word that you don't understand, if you know Greek and Hebrew, you can probably get the meaning of it in the original. But if you don't know Greek and Hebrew and you have nobody around that does, just choose your head. An obscure passage is always interpreted in light of a clear passage. I've told you that before. You young people might remember that. If you're reading a document, a legal document, there's a paragraph in it that's obscure. Look up there and see a clear passage somewhere and interpret the obscure passage like the clear passage. I know he's not talking about hatred here in the sense that I'd do anything wrong to my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, my wife, anybody else. It's not that kind of hatred. It's sort of this idea that in comparison with my loyalty to Jesus Christ, my love for God, this other is just other words I just say, that's not to be considered in this. This is it. This love for God, loyalty to Jesus Christ, that's first. Now he said, and whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now notice two things he said. You must have no loyalties in the world to wife, husband, father, mother, brother, sister. Not even your own life. Now God knows you love life. God put in your love for life, an instinctive love of life. As I've said so many times, you can go off yonder and jump off of a bridge into the river to commit suicide. And when you go down the last time, you go down grabbing for a straw, even though you're trying to kill yourself. That's instinctive love of life. You know, a dying man, when in the last throes of death, will struggle for one more breath, however great may be the agony of breathing. That's instinctive. God doesn't mean you're not to love life. Love breathe, that's, that's an instinct. But your loyalty to your own life must not take the place of your loyalty to Jesus Christ. Listen. Your interests are not to be considered when his interests are at stake. Your life is not to be considered when his name's to be honored. Now, he said, yet yeah, you don't love me, but you love all these, but first all of me, you're not fit to be my disciple. You can't even be. Then he said, if you don't will to take up a cross, turning your back on what's wrong there and taking up what you ought to do, he said, you have to do those two things to be my disciple. He didn't say you'd have to do that to go to heaven. He never said that. That's not the Bible about going to heaven. All you got to do to go to heaven is to get out on your knees and tell Jesus Christ you're no good. And you can't save yourself. You're poor, miserable, lost, hell-bound, hopeless sinner. And say, here I am. I can't save myself. I trust you to save. And he said he'd save. In fact, you don't get salvation by doing what he's talking about here. You become a disciple by doing this. It's one thing to be saved, it's another thing to be a saved disciple. Great many people are saved that go to heaven. They're never enrolled in the school of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't say, you can't keep on being my disciple. He said, I won't even matriculate you to get here. You've got to pay the fee to get in this school. Your little matriculation fee, he has nothing in this institution. He set his standards so high he wouldn't matriculate anybody until they paid this fee. He looked around and said, what did he leave? Well, he loves me better than he does his wife. He loves me better than he does his mother. He loves me better than he does anything else in the world. He's got a cross on his back. Register it. Put him in school. I'll take it. I'll be glad to matriculate him in this school. You can't get in the school of Jesus Christ with your modern standards. You can't matriculate in the school of Jesus Christ with a propaganda that some people are putting out in this country. Oh, you can go to heaven, all right. You can go to heaven by the grace of a good God, but you can't be a disciple just by that. 
You know, it's rather tragic when you think about it. You know, I'd like to let that soak in a minute. You know, I've been playing on some of these notes pretty regularly, haven't I? But I'm hitting this and this morning good and hard. Listen, you can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ by looking for a job that's nice and easy in pleasant. You've got to let him show you what to do. He tells you what to do. You can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ if you look in some ecclesiastical arms to carry you around. He carries you around. You can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ if you'd rather have a home than to be a missionary. Oh, you can go to heaven. I'm not talking about heaven now. He's not talking about heaven. Let me tell you something. I wonder how many he's got in this country. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus. We sing it. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And we sing it till we make the rafters shake. Now he said, you can't even be my disciple. I won't matriculate you in my school. You can't even begin to learn what discipleship means and what I want till you get there. He didn't say you got to have 15 units at least from a certain high school. He never said it. He didn't say so many of these units must be mathematics and so many science, so many language. He never said that. He didn't talk about world standards at all. He's not discussing the standards of men. He's talking about discipleship. A scientist ought to be a disciple for Jesus Christ. Scientific background has some value there. School teachers ought to be a servants of Jesus Christ, and they ought to know something about the technique of teaching. That's all right. He's talking to school teachers and preachers, and carpenters and businessmen, and housewives and mothers and husbands plowing the field. He said, I've got to be first if you're going to matriculate my school. Talk about loyalty. Somebody said to me, Bob Jones, you insist on everybody in your school being loyal. Yes, sir! And I'm in line. To... Listen, you can't learn the lessons that this school has to teach unless you're loyal. You'll be so warped and prejudiced, you won't get the lesson. That doesn't mean you don't do your own thinking. That doesn't mean that any institution of this kind is absolutely perfect, never has been one on earth. He's the only perfect person ever walked on this earth. This is what I'm talking about now. You can't know your wife as you ought to know your wife's soul and mind and heart if you're not loyal to her. You can't get the lesson your daddy would teach you at home unless you're loyal. You can't walk into an institution or an organization anywhere on earth and get the lesson the organization offers to teach you. You're going that warped and prejudice. Remember that. Jesus Christ says, first Lord, it belongs to me if I'm going to matriculate you. Do you like to be disciples? He hadn't got many disciples in this country. Somebody said to one of our preacher boys, you want to stand in your denomination, don't you, and have a good job? 
Well, you better, you better go to your own school and get your own standing. Jesus Christ says, if you think more of a job than you do the gospel and me and what I stand for, I won't ever teach you anything. No use to teach you and know what I'm talking about anyhow. Nicodemus wanted to be taught, but Nicodemus didn't have a teachable heart attitude because he wasn't born again. But even if you're born again, you may be able to listen, but it's more than listening. Got to be able to assimilate. Paul said that you have to give milk to babies because they can't take food. Babies are born again, they have life, but they're not mature enough, even in their own digestive processes, to take it on them. Now, he said, you can't be my disciple. You may be a missionary and never be his disciple. You may be a preacher on a pulpit with robes on and never be a disciple. You may be a bishop or an archbishop or a moderate. And stretch his stuff over the country and talk big and wise about programs and never be his desire. Don't blame me for these standards. And don't blame us in Bob Jones University for eternally insisting upon the standards. Your first allegiance is to Jesus Christ. That's required to even get in his school. He won't matriculate you till you get there. You'll never know his lessons till you get there. What was his lesson? I laid down my life for sinners. We all lay down our lives for the brethren. All of our modern philosophies diametrically opposed to all the teachings of Jesus Christ. We say, look out for number one. Jesus Christ says, take number one and put him on a cross. We say, get the honors. Jesus said, in honor of preferring one another. Oh, we miserable, good-for-nothing, no-account Christians in this country. We need dynamite honors. I've been searching my own heart in recent weeks as I've never done before in my life. I'm ashamed of all of us. Here's a crowd, multitude running around after. Great crowds! Well, you can thin them out. Set up some standards. And you keep your standards high, some folks that come won't stay with you. Some of them, as soon as they look at the standards, bat the ball home. You can't even matriculate. You can't even become. You can't even become. You can't get in the school. That's the base of enrollment. Oh, you can sit down in the classroom, maybe. So I'm going to adapt myself. I'm going to try to fit in all right. Because I saw him feed some hungry people one night. I may get hungry myself. If you hang around Jesus Christ for the loaves and fishes, you're not a disciple. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, because these things are added unto you, you're not his disciple. You don't enroll in his school to get a job. You enroll in his school to get his slang. Get an education to get a job. Not a Christian education. Not a disciple of Jesus Christ. An apostle, that's different. 
If you become a disciple of Jesus Christ in the strictest sense of the word, he'll turn you into an apostle, not one of the New Testament apostles, but he'll turn you into a sent one. Apostles, somebody sent out. He had his 12 in the New Testament. Listen. Every disciple of Jesus Christ sooner or later becomes a sent one. He might send you to Africa. Might send you to Japan. He might send you to a rural district. Might send you to the slums of the city to rescue the perishing in the underworld. He might send you to a classroom to teach, but when you teach, you teach as a son of God, the daughter of God, and a one that sat at the feet of Jesus Christ. He may send you up to a high position. But if you come to him to get the high position, you're no good when you get that. He discount that when they ask who'd sit on the right side and who'd sit on the left side. When they were talking about a cross, he is telling about a cross. They were talking about a cushioned pew and a nice chair and a high seat. Well, I'll tell you one thing we're not going to do out here at Bob Jones University. We're sure not going to pull his standards down. We may never reach them, but we're going to keep them up where people can see. I've preached for over 50 years and I've never lowered the standards. I've looked at them sometime and trembled and said, oh, God, be merciful to me. But I think the meanest, lowest thing anybody on God Almighty's earth ever did was to pull the standards in. I think the crime of all crimes is for a school that calls itself Christian is to step down to low standards and walk down on this, uh, pull the standards down and level the thing down to the common level of common poor fallen man. Then talk about being Christian. Can't even me, my desire. Say, if you have done that, you're not in his school. You're in Bob Jones University, but you have matriculated in his school. His school's an inner circle in this school. Few people get in it. His school's the inner circle in some churches where there's just a few people ever get in. His school. The church may try to represent him, and this school doesn't ever sincerely represent him. But you're not in his school just because you're in Bob Jones University. You're in a school that wants it to be his school and wants his school in it. See, I wonder if you've ever matriculated. You preacher boys, there are 1,100 of you. I wonder if you girls have really registered in his school. If you haven't done this, you're not in it. What is it? First loyalty to me. I die, I die. Love mother, she's sweet, but thou art sweeter. Love brother, love sister, love everything else precious to me, but when he speaks, I move with his orders. You know, I wonder if you don't feel like getting on your face before him this morning and tell him you've been a four-flusher. I wonder if you don't feel like holding up your hands and saying, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good. I'm just a pretender. Walking around just pretending, just pretending, just strutting the stuff. Now he said, I'll tell you something. He said, I want you to think this over. 
Don't just pat yourself on the back and throw kiss yourself and say, I'm all right, I'm one of them. So I want you to sit down and think this thing over. It's a very practical sort of thing. Which of you intending to build a tower? Sit not down first and count at the cost whether he has sufficient to finish it. Don't put your name on the dotted line if you don't mean it. Don't say, well, I'll register and show you. He said, count the cost. Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all that behold it begin to mock him. Hey, he sure was a nice fella talking to me. <laughs> Look beyond it. He just got the foundation laid and then he beat it. He didn't have what it takes. He could have got the brick and the mortar, but he didn't have the character of a builder. Listen, young man, young woman, if you are God's disciple, you're a builder. Listen, listen. Building is God's way, destroying is a devil's way. Constructive criticism is from God. Destructive criticism is from the devil. God constructs and man destroys under satanic power. Destructive. Listen, listen, the greatest test that I can think of about uh, for you and me to put to ourselves is this. Am I a destroyer? Nine-tenths of the fundamentalists in this country, and that's my crowd. I Maybe I've got too many of them. I sometimes wonder if I haven't made it too low. Nine-tenths of the fundamentalists in this country, going up and down this country, have a destructive rather than a constructive approach to the program of God. They are destructive. Pick little flaws, pick little this, pick that. Listen, you could give them the Pacific Ocean filled with milk, covered with cream and they'd fly over it to find one fly speck in the middle of the ocean somebody said look at this Pacific Ocean of milk it's lovely milk it's rich milk mine the fellow said well I was crossing the ocean a few years ago and I saw a dramatic speck out on the bosom of the ocean Somebody says, when I was going over the sea, I flying around, and I beheld one little something that didn't look exactly right to me. They never see the ocean of milk and cream. Listen, that's destructive attitude. Destroyers. Apollyon, that's one of the names of Satan. A destroyer! Not a builder. Not a builder. They said Jesus had come to destroy the law and the property said it's a lie. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it and build on it. I'm the answer to it. 
You know, one of the things that I've been most thankful about Bob Jones University through the years is the fact that we've had the opportunity to develop a constructive attitude. You're a builder, every one of you. Some of you are going to build a home. Some of you a school. Some of you a business. Some of you a church. Some of you a missionary program. You're a builder, not a destroyer. Sit down and count the cost. Have you the character to build? By his plans? What are his plans? Hate mother, father, sisters, brothers. Don't love your own life more than you love me. And pick up a cross, have a hearty baby, and carry it. Those are my plans for the builder. That's my plan. That's the diagram of the plan. That's it. Uh, that's the constructing plan. That's the way I've worked it out for you. And it'll work. Man's tried his plan. Way back on in the early days. Man said, let us, us, build God a city. No. Let us build us. A city. Us. Build us a city. And God says you can't build a tower like that that's any good. It's built on the wrong foundation and you're driven by a sinful, selfish motive. Us. Build us a city. In a tower. God looked it over and said, I'm not going to let them succeed. The only foundation that you can lay is this foundation, Jesus Christ. No government that man can build will last. No business that man can build upon himself on any foundation except this foundation outlined by the Son of God, the supreme Christ, dominant, conquering, living Christ, always first. Any other foundation you can't build. Listen. Ecclesiasticism built on him. All right. But ecclesiasticism built upon the ambitions of man and trickery of man and politics of man, promotion of man and strut of man, won't last. What fools we mortals be. What you going to do about it? Say, you ought to set yourself out and look at yourself and talk to yourself a little all of us ought to do it. I think I told you one time about that lady that wrote us that she'd longed to teach in a school like Bob Jones. And her letter was so wonderful, I wrote her to come to see me. And no, she was a dietitian. She didn't want to teach. She had taught. 
in some home economics department, but she wanted to be a dietitian. Came into my office. She's a very lovely, charming, nice woman. And uh, I began to talk to her about Jesus Christ and told her how this school was trying to exalt him. And I told her there were no lonely places around here, that the janitor here in God's sight, as far as the reach of his influence was concerned and his work, was as important as the president. I told him here in this institution, we put value on scholarship and industry and studying and all that. But there were no big people and little people around here. If there were any big people, they were the people that loved God. And I said, now, don't think because you go in the kitchen and nobody else sees you that you won't be as important to this institution as a teacher of Greek or Hebrew or French or German or English or education or the founder or president of this school. We don't look down on anybody here and figure him in a lowly position. I said, a student in this school that doesn't have a cent that goes here isn't put off in some place away from the rich people. There's no line of distinction between rich and poor, high and low. And I want you to understand, we need a dietitian. And if you think you can go in there and supervise that kitchen and give these folks the best diet you can, balanced diet, with the money we have to spend, we don't have much to spend. It's not easy. But you can go in and ask Jesus to help him. There's enough money properly to balance the diet so they'll have a balanced diet. They may not have luxury, but you'll be running that for Jesus. And right in the height of my uh, peroration, while I was soaring around up in the sky, trying to catch hold of the tails of comets as they were passing to make it more effective and eloquent. She looked at me and said, how much does this job pay? I said, not a cent to you. I wouldn't have you in that kitchen. I said, after we talked this over, we were coming to that. All that sister was thinking about was the dough, not the dough that you make biscuit out of, not that kind. <laughs> it was dough with a little silver and golden tinge. She thought of the gold. Listen, that's the modern approach in many religious centers and schools. Listen, wait a minute. I don't blame anybody. We've all fallen for it more or less. But it's not God's way. Jesus said, you don't have to worry about anything like that. If you get in my school, do my will, put me first. My God shall supply all your needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God. My God. My God is my God in heaven and he's my brother, Jesus Christ. 
And I move in the divine circle when I get there. And all of God's omnipotence is mine. I'm absolutely sure of success. Not from man's standpoint, but from God's standpoint. Have you counted the cost? You're going to build a tower of some kind. You're going to build something. Love affair. Hold. You'll be a builder of some kind. Have you counted the cost of the tower you're going to build? Have you got the resources? You have if you're in touch with him. And if he isn't supreme in your life, more than mother, dad, sweetheart, home, you're not even in his school. You may be in his kingdom. You may actually go to heaven when you die. I hope you'll matriculate today if you've never matriculated. This would be the greatest day ever happened in any school on this continent. If every man, woman, boy, and girl today would take the pen of resolution and say, let me write there under that statement. I want to sign up. I've counted the cost. I'm ready to register. From now on, I have no will but thy will, no plan but thy plan, and thy orders come first from this day on, O Lord God. Somehow, by the miracle-working power of the Holy Ghost, do something to us today. Please do. Please help us, won't you? Because we're not able to do it. We can't sign up in that school with those standards without thy help, without thy power in our hearts. And Lord, help these students here to realize that this is to every Christian. Some of them are brilliant. Some of them are not so brilliant. Some of them are good in one thing. Some of them are good in another. But help every one of us to know if we matriculate in this Christ school, after we look at these standards and count the cost. Help us to know, oh Lord God, help us to know that every one of us can build a tower you want us to build. You may want some of us to build colorful towers. And some of us to build towers, maybe hid away where nobody but God will ever see them. But he'll say, well done. Help us to know that everyone in this room, if we'll come clean and make this consecration, that absolutely every one of us here today can build a tower that God wants us to build if we'll count the cost and sign up and mean it. And Lord, what more could we want in this world than do what you want us to do? If you want us lowly, We'd rather be lowly. If you want somebody else prominent and us left outside, that's all right. If you want somebody in the house in the first place and us just a doorkeeper, let them in and out.
We'd rather be doorkeepers in such a house than dwell in all the tents of wickedness that men have ever stretched and all the homes and towers that men have ever built. Help us to so surrender and so live from this day henceforward. Lord, let us share from this service. Out in eternity, somewhere in heaven someday, help us to hear of this service. As far as we know, this message is a little different from any message we've ever brought, just a little different in its slant and approach. Do something here today. We believe you gave us this message. We ask you for it. We want to say what you want us to say. We believe that you had this message for somebody today. Let it work in our lives. For Jesus' sake, amen.